True Blue LA podcast opening day edition. It's here, we Eric. We didn't have a um, uh, a special emergency podcast. The Dodgers didn't surprise us with a trade. I mean, they still technically could. No, they only uh, do it after now. we record a full podcast. So they've yeah, got. They I mean. have an off. Today, we're recording this on Wednesday. Yeah. They have an off day tomorrow. Plenty of time. Yeah, there, there's yeah, there's plenty of time. Uh, I will say this. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it later. If if there is like a either a trade a signing or like a trade turner extension uh we will record an extra podcast for that <sighs> but other than that oh, that's it but well we have a lot to talk about still even without uh, any other breaking news yeah we've uh roster is getting more or less set we'll we'll talk about that see where we were right where we were wrong uh we have just a general uh some minor signings to talk about and just general excitement over opening day and what we think the season ahead uh, looks like. Uh, then we have uh, Dodgers Rewind. We have questions from Craig. All of that after this. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. A week later than originally scheduled, but opening day is here. Yeah, um, it's weird. uh, So... Opening day for like Major League Baseball is is Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, originally there were nine games uh, Thursday, and so eighteen teams, eighteen of thirty, and then uh, the rest uh, start on Friday. Other some of those teams also play Friday, but um, like it already at least two of the Thursday games have been rained out ahead of time. <laughs> um, uh, Yankees, Red Sox, and then whoever the Twins are playing. Um, so yeah, it's going to be weird, but yeah, so now Friday is the, the heavier opening day of the two now. Um, so it's going to be interesting, but yeah, the Dodgers play Friday, Friday afternoon, uh, Coors Field. Uh, we know, uh, Walker Bueller starting that game. Uh, after that, we don't know the rest of the order just yet. The Dodgers have been like super like cagey about it. Um, it's a weird thing to be cagey about. Right. It seems like, I mean, it almost, I don't want to say, it has to be Clayton Kershaw and Julio Urias in some order. Um, Like, you know, for the most part, like they've been, like Kershaw especially, that was a concern, like he's been healthy, right? Urias has not really been super effective, but he's also only had, that's the thing about this, this is why it's going to be so weird and maybe why they're being cagey. Everyone either had three in the case of like Urias and Tony Gonsolin or four like spring outings. And like that's like middle to late spring. So these first two weeks are going to be weird is what I'm saying. <laughs> so maybe that's why they're being super weird. It, and it's certainly why. And also because Coors, being, Coors Field being Coors Field, 
the Dodgers are, are spooked enough to the point where uh, they're carrying they're going to carry 16 pitchers on the 28 man roster uh, at least for the weekend. There's been some like intimations that they might um, go to like a fourth bench player uh, after that because they can figure out a way to get by on just 15 pitchers. So, um, but it's going to be weird. Like there's going to be a lot of like, yeah, there could be piggybacking. There could be like starters only going four. Uh, like if, if they're good, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's, and, and they just might be ineffective too, like, and get the hook early. Um, it's just, it's just going to be super weird. Uh, but yeah, like, I don't know, like, uh, it's not a it's not a normal year, but not, we haven't really had a normal year in like three years. So who knows? Has the rest of the roster kind of shape up? Not, uh, I, I don't think we're not we don't have a final twenty six yet or twenty eight. Right. Excuse me, but uh, we're we have a pretty good idea. Yeah, it, it's it's almost finalized, but not nothing official yet. Um, so there's there's thirty two um, players left in camp. I mean, technically, there's not really a camp anymore because they're not in Arizona. They are. I think they're doing a workout. A Dodger Stadium, call it a camp. It'll be fine. That's, they, they do a. Yeah, there's a. They're there's glamping. A, uh, <laughs> oh man, clamping sounds good. Um, so there's 32 players in camp. Three of those, though, are pitchers who are um, going to start on the injured list. Uh, Phil Bickford, probably the like, would be the first one back. Maybe or it might. It might just be a choice thing regarding. Um, him or Caleb Ferguson, who's who's pitched uh, quite a bit during spring training, but I think they just want to be cautious with him coming off Tommy John. And then Tommy Canley, who finally got into a game uh, last night on Tuesday, actually looked really good, but he's going to spend like the bulk of his April, I think, um, sort of in, in, in rehab mode. So like in a few weeks, uh, or like three weeks or something, we might see him. But those three guys on the injury list, so you're basically down to 29 players for 28 spots. Um, and, uh, like there, there's only 12 position players in that group. And those are the, the 12 to start. So it's just figuring out which pitcher gets sent down. Now, uh, I was asking about this the other night, um, because of Coors Field and the sort of, um, pathological need for like, uh, as many long men as possible, like Tyler Anderson's not in the rotation, but he's like been fairly built up he could probably easily go four or five innings if he had to um even in relief um they also want to carry mitch white in that role again not official but i i literally asked dave about like mitch white because he hadn't pitched like in a in a spring game and he said no he's he's been uh backfields he's ready to go he understands his role as a long man and then i said well does that mean he's more likely to be on the roster uh like for the series at Coors Field and Dave Roberts smiled, did not answer, but he said, um, like, um, very much so basically like it's the, the yes without saying yes for sure. So, <laughs> so he'll be there now. So then basically it's like, which lefty goes down, um, uh, which goes back to, we'll, we'll talk about this in a second, but it's, if I had to guess, it's probably Garrett Clevenger based on how people have been used. Uh, it, it may be between Clevenger and like Justin Brule, um, who coincidentally were um, conflicting uh, left-handers on our um, opening day rosters last, or I guess two podcasts ago now, but last week. Um, 
Now, the, how they sort of got to this point on the roster is on, um, I, th- I guess on Monday, uh, or Sunday they sent Jake Lamb down, and then on Monday they sent the other eight non-roster invitees down. So none of those guys made the team. Um, so that, that sort of made it very simple and in terms of like what they have to do to finalize the roster. And uh, it also, uh, I had Kevin Pillar on my roster like, before the Dodgers traded AJ Pollock. <laughs> and then after they traded, I thought for sure. And he's not going to be there just yet. However, it seems like the, just the way they've been talking about Lamb and Pilar is that they're almost definitely going to be with the Dodgers at some point, you know? Now, after our starting May 2nd, um, they go back to 26 man rosters, which comes with a 13 pitcher limit. So you're going to have at least 13 position players at that point. Um, so you're definitely going to see an extra position player by then. Now, whether that happens to be Pilar or Lamb, it, and like I said, he, once they get out of Coors Field, they also have an off day Monday, so they might just send a pitcher down then and call up one of those guys, you know, now. So who knows? But like, um, I think it's it's reasonable. But for in terms of opening day roster, I had Kevin Pilar on you, um. You had, or we both, I guess, yeah, you had Gavin Lux on. We we, we did change it, though, to uh, after the, the trade issue. But our um, our other thing was having uh, Clevenger. I had Clevenger. You had... Brule. Brule. And so I'm going to be probably going to be wrong on that. I, I actually don't remember, because I didn't go back. I don't remember what we changed it to after the, on the trade podcast. Because my brain is mush right now, and uh, I don't remember stuff from more than three seconds ago. So that's where I'm at. But you're going to clearly uh, come out ahead in that, I believe. Um, so yeah, like this, the first week there, Coors Field, off day Monday. I'll be at jury duty, which in theory could extend a little bit, but um, hopefully it will be done by the time they're home later in the week. But um and then they have two games in Minnesota. There, it's a it's a night game, and then followed by a day game on on Getaway Day. Um, so that'll be interesting. Our um, Michael Elizondo, a writer on the site uh, who went to like a bunch of different Dodger road games like across the country last year, he's going to be um, going to those two games in Minnesota. So uh, I labeled him in our notes here as future podcast guest. That will certainly happen at some point. He's going to tell us about his travels. Um, and uh, he's written some a lot of interesting stuff on the site, so you should definitely uh, check that out. As I mentioned before, we're recording this on Wednesday. The Dodgers do not play today. They don't play tomorrow. So uh, let's put a bow on spring training, short in spring training. Uh, any any news that came from it? Any sort of lingering thoughts you had uh, as we yeah. as we close close the books on it? Uh, just some scattershot stuff. Um, uh, Chris Taylor, so he's he's recovering from elbow surgery, and it seems like that it seems to bother him, if at all, more in the field than when, when hitting. Um, and it's from what Dave Roberts was saying, he's gonna basically like stay in left field for a while rather than go all around like he usually does because they don't like the um, the sidearm throws for his elbow right now, like uh, from the infield. You know, not that it's not that every throws a sidearm throw, but. They don't want to mess with his like arm angles, um, and that they're more comfortable with him in the outfield. So I think he's going to be sticking in left a little bit, and I would imagine the occasional like center or something. But um, 
Yeah, that so the, he's going that opens up like um, second base uh, a little bit for Gavin Lux. Not that he's going to be every day. Gavin Lux will also see some time in left field, but uh, it's not going to be like at least in the early going. It's not going to move around a lot be, with Taylor like kind of confined to the outfield for at least a few weeks or something. Um, uh, Cody Bellinger. Uh, oh, he and uh, Fernando Tatis uh, are among the. Uh, a couple like a quartet of MLB sort of stars um, in a new like a, they're going to do like a Dairy Queen. I don't. I'm sure it's going to be like a like a, a video commercial, but I think there's going to be some just ad, general advertising with them. Um, Bellinger and Tatis like um, they they put out a picture of them together like in, with the Dairy Queen Blizzard, which is now the official treat of Major League Baseball. <laughs> Which and uh, I forgot what the burger at Dairy Queen Salt or the specific one involved, but uh, it, they that's also going to be the official burger of Major oh, League Baseball, which man. is very weird. <laughs> like, but but like I just I just I I sort of from a in a perverse way I love that uh, I love the official anything of anything like where it's and the more ridiculous the better you know, but yeah Bellinger like um, especially based on the replies uh, to to when I tweeted that. Uh, a lot of people are like, "Well, he's going to be in AAA by the time the commercial comes out." You know all this stuff because he's he hasn't really been hitting, and it is kind of funny. Like, uh, there was a lot of talk about his strikeouts uh, during spring training, which were uh, voluminous, like over half of his at bats. But um, it, it's funny now. It's like, oh, he just flied out. Like he didn't strike out. Cool. Like it's like a. It's almost like uh, watching Little League at this point, like in terms of like the you're like a parent in the stands, like basically going, "Oh, that's so nice!" Like he didn't strike out, good for him, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> so it's kind of weird. Um, the the last uh, spring training game, um, uh, Bobby Miller, uh, who's gonna he's the Dodgers' top pitching prospect. He's gonna start in Double A Tulsa, but he pitched for three innings um, at Dodger Stadium. It's the first time he's pitched in a game at Dodger Stadium. Right away, uh, first batter Shohei Otani, no, no pressure, kid, struck him out. Uh, he was, uh, he was, he averaged ninety nine over ninety nine miles an hour on his fastball. Um, his stuff looked uh, electric. It was awesome, and um, yeah, and then like it was, it was a kind of a funny broadcast because they had, um, they they would never do this in a regular season game, but they had Dino Ebel mic'd up, which they've done like the last few years, like in in spring training. And Dino Ebel is awesome, and and, and he's uh, just third base coach, and he's just very like interactive and stuff. And uh, so they had a couple cool things where he was like, um, like he waved Freddie Freeman home, like as they're like talking about what his role is in this thing. And then the perfect play happened; it was like a double to the gap, so he got to like basically show exactly what he was talking about. It was great. But like right when they started with Dino Ebel, it was right after the first inning. And uh, he, he was like, ooh, that was some gas, huh? Like, just talking about Miller, it was, it was pretty funny. And he's, like, been in baseball forever. So, it's like anytime those guys get excited, you know it's something cool. Uh, the Dodgers signed um, Dylan Batances to a minor league deal. Um, so, don't know what his situation is. Like, he had um, shoulder surgery in July. So, not sure where he's at, like, in that recovery. But, uh, you know, he was... When he was healthy, it's, it's been a while since he's been fully healthy, but um, one of the most, like, dominant relievers, like, in baseball for, like, five years with the Yankees, 
but ba- I think he's pitched um, 17 total games in the last three seasons, basically on a, a myriad of injuries. So it's been a little bit of a thing. So who knows? But it's just it's sort of he's just thrown onto the pile of hurt guys, hurt pitchers now who could help at some point in the season. You know, and they're trying to get as many of those guys as possible and see see what sticks. Um, we I mentioned Trey Turner. Um, if the Dodgers happen to sign him. Mookie Bet style from two years ago, uh, like right before opening day. Um, uh, Jack Harris of the Los Angeles Times sort of caught up with Turner the other day and wrote about it, uh, but yet there hasn't really been an update in talks there. So it doesn't seem like something's going to happen, and he's just probably going to end up going to free agency. But you never know. Like they could, it could be a last minute thing, but that it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. So yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's kind of where we're at. Um, uh, you know, it, it's going to be weird the first few weeks of the season. That said, I'm, I'm ready to to actually watch games that count now um, because the Dodgers rudely didn't tie for like the last, like <laughs> over a week at the end of spring training. It was just awful. The, the first two games against Anna, uh, uh, the Angels, I'll be nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, didn't look so good. <laughs> they were blowouts the, for... Uh... Yeah. Like um, Urias struggled, Gonsolin struggled. Uh, who pitched the first game? Bueller. Oh yeah, he he gave up three home runs. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's um, yeah it, it, they they weren't they haven't looked the best. Like, I mean they're not. It's not you're not going into the season going, is this team going to have an under five hundred record? But like you know it's not that. But it's like yeah they're not they're not the they're not the sharpest right now. But uh, maybe they're just waiting waiting for the light switch of opening day. But um, I speaking of opening day, um, the Dodgers yeah. do play the Rockies uh, on Friday uh, Friday afternoon. Coors Breaking Field one. Wait what? Do 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 One ten p.m. Pacific. Uh, before this year, uh, how many times did the Dodgers play opening on opening day against the Rockies? Uh, and my hint to you, not much of a hint, but it's uh, the Rockies' first year was nineteen ninety three. I will throw a number out after this. How many times have the Dodgers opened against the Rockies? Uh, before but so we're not counting this year yeah before this year okay uh let's go with four so uh before i give you the actual answer i will say which is four no the the dodgers have never beaten the rockies on opening day okay and mostly that is because they only played them last year on opening (laughs) day (laughs) so they've never hosted the rockies on opening day um yeah, last year was the first time I was all I. I'm certain I looked that up at some point last year for opening day, and when I looked it up today, I was surprised. <laughs> so that's why I asked. So um, yeah, that's that's where we're at. I was on a. I was on the lower end. It was no, the, you were, and that was yeah. the the goofy game, right? The... Yeah, that the Bellinger. Yeah, we we should have known something was going to be up with Cody Bellinger based <laughs> on him hitting the first home run of the season and then getting a single because he passed Justin Turner on the bases. So, yeah, one of those years. Well, time for Dodgers rewind. It is, and uh, I, I I'm I hate that this is the case, but um, it's it's another uh, Dodger who passed away recently, but it's. It, at the same time, I you know it's also good to look back on some of these guys. So, and I was actually a little surprised that we hadn't talked about him before. But on Sunday in Phoenix, um, Tommy Davis uh, passed away. He was eighty three. So, 
he was there's a couple like good stories with him um he was uh, a high school star as much as a high schooler can be a star um in new york and the dodgers were still in brooklyn this was 1956 was his senior year he was pretty much set to sign with the yankees and then um i guess this would have been um buzzy bavasi at the time he got Jackie Robinson, who was entering or it was in his final season with the with the Dodgers, he got Jackie Robinson to call uh, Tommy Davis's house, um, knowing that Tommy Davis's mom was a huge Brooklyn Dodgers fan. <laughs> and this is from an interview in 2019 with uh, Tommy Davis. He said, "My mother wondered who was calling. I pointed to the receiver and mouthed the words, "It's Jackie Robinson." <laughs> Uh, and I couldn't believe I was speaking to one of my heroes, although I don't remember doing much talking. So uh, short af- shortly after that, the Dodgers signed uh, Tommy Davis for $4,000. And from what I can gather, um, uh, I think the Sabre bio mentioned this. I'll, I'll link that in the notes. But uh, $4,000 was the highest bonus you can give someone without having to put them on the, the roster right away, which is sort of like the... Um, the Sandy Co- the bonus baby rule, like the, the what Sandy Kopax like basically uh, had to like sort of camp on the roster for a little bit and uh, earlier than he was sort of ready. But um, so they got to put him in the minors, and uh, while he was in the minors, he won uh, a batting title at age 18, and then he won a batting title at age 20. The latter was in AAA uh, Spokane, and he comes up to the Dodgers in 1959 by their first year in LA. He, he didn't really play that much that year, but. They did win the World Series. Um, he didn't play in the World Series. He was, you know, still just a rookie. Um, he was a major leaguer for good in uh, 1960. They they sort of moved him around a little bit. He was um, not the best defensively, basically, but he could hit. And um, so they, they had him, like, in the outfield at different spots and then at third base mostly. But then in 1962, they kind of settled in on left field for the most part. He played a little bit in other spots, but it was, left field was mostly his. And that year was weird. So it was there. It was the first um, season of Dodger Stadium, and anytime you hear about the Dodgers or like Dodger Stadium generally, but also like 1960s Dodger Stadium, it's like the most. It's the picturesque pitchers park that's ever pitcher park, you know, basically. <laughs> and uh, it was still like it was a an extreme pitchers park. Like the the park factor, I believe, on um, baseball reference was 92 that first year which is you know pretty heavy pitchers park that said it was also an expansion year um so it was the first year for the Mets and the Astros so as is usually the case with expansion that means pretty much across the league a lot on those teams but like just generally there's a lot of pitchers who might not be major league ready like in the majors or like you know some some probably are major league ready but the pitching is just a little worse in, in expansion years generally. So offense was up. But also the Dodgers just generally were a good offensive team. They scored uh, 842 runs. The the as a since as a team, they the Dodgers have only passed that once since then. That was um uh, three years ago in 2019. And, and like t- to give you an idea, so they finished second in the National League in runs that year. Um in the first um 56 years of Dodger Stadium, the Dodgers only finished in the top two in the National League and run scored uh, five times. So they've actually led the National League the last four years, which is wild. Like, <laughs> but uh, just given the history of like the stadium, but this is 
we're going to look back on this like era, this current era of, of like Dodgers, um, the Dodgers, and like be like, wow, that was it was pretty epic. But uh, we'll see. But um, back to Tommy Davis. So sixty two, he was like a main reason why he was he was twenty three. Uh, he hit twenty seven home runs, which was a career high. He hit three forty six. Uh, he won the batting title. Um, he was he would he mostly batted third that year. You had uh, Maury Wills, who won the league MVP that season uh, in, in probably his best season, uh, hitting leadoff. He also stole 104 bases, which was a record. Then you had Jim Gilliam, who was very, very good, hitting second, who walked 93 times and had a 370 on base. So Davis was basically always hitting with people on base, and he like killed it with people on base. And he drove in 153 runs uh, that year. Um no one in the majors uh, got to that number of RBIs until 1998. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was. It was a crazy good year. Um, that set the franchise record for uh, RBIs. Uh, I will get to um, his hits total in our trivia question a little bit later. Why don't you tell me more um, about it? Yeah. So uh, I, I'll get to it in a second. But his, no. so he had 200. No, no. I, I wanted uh, a hint. <laughs> no, my hint is that we'll, uh, to, see, and then, oh, so he was teammates with Willie Davis, but this is not Willie Davis. This is Tommy Davis. Um, he had 230 hits. That's what. I, that's my hint. Um, so, uh, and then the next year, he won another batting title at 326. So now, this is again we're honoring Tommy Davis here. So I don't want to do my usual rant, but I will note that technically. He was the only Dodger to win a batting title, doing so twice, um, sent until Trey Turner this last year. And Trey Turner only spent like the last two months of the year with the Dodgers. But as we all know, Eddie Murray in 1990 led the majors in batting average and did not win a batting title because Willie McGee is evil. Um, but um, Tommy Davis, uh, you know, had a good year, uh, re- reasonably good year in 1964. Nothing really special, though. He didn't win a batting title, so his streak was snapped. But in 65, um, in like the first, in like the third week of the season, um, he was trying to slide into second. And the different accounts of it were like he he wasn't sure whether whether to like pull up or slide, which is never in a good never a good spot. And then he ended up. Um, like some of the descriptions said he snapped his ankle, which is never good, but he basically broke and dislocated his right ankle and he was out for the year. Um, so he did actually pinch hit in the uh, final game of the season, but he was not ready. And so they, like he didn't make, he didn't um, uh, play in the play in the world series that year. So um he was kind of in, but that set the stage for uh, the guy who took over for him in left field was a 30-year-old sort of journeyman, uh, Lou Johnson, who passed away a couple years ago. And uh, Lou Johnson hit the game-winning home run in Game 7. So sort of his legend was born there, too. But also for – Will, uh, for damn it, I keep doing this. It's not Willie Davis. It's Tommy Davis. Uh, Willie Davis was also very good. But um, Tommy Davis um, – so that ankle injury was like a turning point. I was looking up from 62 to 65, which was like his his first four full seasons. Uh, he had a 129 uh, uh, WRC plus. You know, obviously very good hitter. Um, could sort of fit anywhere. But then like the rest of his career, the last 11 years of his career after the ankle injury, he had a 101 WRC plus, which is still, you know, r- right at like league average. But he was also a little bit um, 
you know, not the best defensively. He got um, he helped, got um, sort of an advantage a little bit in 1973 with uh, the designated hitter coming in. Um, he was the um, the Orioles like sort of main DH for a couple years, and he he played until like 1976. There's a decent argument that had the DH not come in, he might his career might have been over like a couple years earlier. Uh, Ken Singleton, um, who was an excellent player uh, for a lot of teams, including the Orioles, um, he tweeted out on Monday when I was traded to Baltimore. Tommy helped me uh, help welcome me to the ball club. He gave me his personal scouting reports on opposing pitchers. Solid teammate and excellent hitter. You know, Tommy Davis was pretty much like well liked by just about everyone. He was around the Dodger Stadium a lot. Um, like in recent years, he was in the like the Dodgers um, community relations department. Um, he was a, a hitting coach very briefly one year with the Mariners in 1981. He was on uh, Maury Will's staff, but that was also uh, Maury Will's got fired uh, midway or like pretty early in that season. So um, Davis only lasted I think one year in that position. But uh, yeah, so uh, he had uh, you know pretty amazing baseball life. Uh, uh, the only the only LA Dodger to win a batting title uh, by playing a full season with the Dodgers, and he did it twice. But he was an excellent hitter, and he's uh, he passed away. He was eighty three. All right, now about that hit total. Yeah, so two hundred thirty hits. That's the LA Dodgers record, nineteen sixty two. But he's second all time um, in a single season in Dodgers history, behind one Brooklyn Dodger. Who is that Brooklyn Dodger? Zach Wheat. <laughs> See, that that's a good strategy, just generally. <laughs> um, uh, but no. You, you, I'll give you one more guess if you want to throw yeah, something yeah, in. No, I, um, Duke Snyder. No. he. I think he walked more. And, of course, uh, my, my baseball reference isn't um, loading the right person, but... I, I'm fairly certain it was Babe Herman in nineteen forty in nineteen thirty, which was a crazy good offensive era or offensive time. He had two hundred and forty one hits, and I will confirm that as soon as his page loads, but right now it's not loading. So yeah. But yeah, Babe Herman was has the uh the Brooklyn or the, the overall Dodgers record, but Tommy Davis is still second there, so pretty impressive. Well, uh, a little spoiler before we uh, before we play the song, but I'll let you know uh, we're not done with Tommy Davis trivia. It's going to be oh. your it's going to be your turn because oh, it's man. time for with Jens and Craig. We love them. Hi, Eric and Jacob. We love it. Oh, sorry. This is a message. I'm always Craig. off on that. Yeah. Jacob, first, happy pre-birthday to you. Thank you. Yay. Hope you have a great weekend with the family. Second, you must be considered a lucky charm in Kansas City sports, a World Series, Super Bowl, and another in NCAA basketball title. I, I, real quick before uh, this, uh, I continue this message, uh, I'm actually the jinx. I was at uh, out on Mass Street, Massachusetts Street, uh, watching the game uh, until halftime, and then I went back to my office, took my key <laughs> shirt off, and then they started the epic comeback. I did. I did go back out for the last uh, ten or so minutes. Maybe more. Like when when minutes. they almost gave it away. <laughs> yeah. No. Right. Uh, no. There was a like. I left with a five point lead. I got there. They were tied, and I decided if they went down by more than three, I would go back. <laughs> uh, but that that uh, at least I 
if I'm recalling correctly, never happened. I think they only went down by one at a point. Amazing. Point. So anyways, now, do we have a locked and loaded roster through the Dodgers uh, <clears throat> still have a few more days before the first game? With that, here's this week's questions. In honor of the late Tommy Davis, this week's trivia questions will be related to the this Dodger great, and in particular, his inaugural 1962 Dodger Stadium season. In that opening year, Tommy Davis had a 9.54 OPS and 352 plate appearances at Chavez Ravine. That feat has been done 10 more times in the last 60 uh, seasons, I'm assuming. Can Eric name these Dodgers who especially loved home cooking? Uh, only hmm. one player did it twice, so you're looking for nine players. Uh, okay, before I answer, I just want to update. Sure. It was Babe Herman, 241 hits, 1930. He hit 393 that year. Which reminded me of another Tommy Davis note when he hit 346. Um, no Dodger had a ab- batting average that high until Mike Piazza went uh, 362 in 97. So, okay, yeah. Um, so that was me stalling. Um, so okay, so 950 OPS at Dodger Stadium and at least 300 plate appearances. So let's go with um, uh, Cody Bellinger. Yes. Adrian Beltre. Yes. Gary Sheffield. No. Oh, wow. Okay. Pedro Guerrero. No. You're a, well, first of all, you're a liar. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Matt Kemp. No. What? Sorry. <laughs> How? Did he not get? Uh, all right. I'm, a, I'm mad now. I am very mad. Um, okay. Uh, Steve Garvey. No. <laughs> Reggie Smith. No. You know what? Then just tell me because this is <laughs> this is obviously no, this is, stupid. I'm having fun. I'm having – this is yeah. great. All right. I'll go in order. Uh, you want any more names? Any big, you know, no, OPS? I'm, I'm, I'm too angry. Mike Piazza. I'm looking at Matt Kemp stuff. Uh, oh, Matt Kemp is on this list. I apologize. I apologize. Matt Kemp is on this list. Mm-hmm. I, it's a big list. I misread. So you're good. You, yeah. you want to throw Mike Piazza? I should have went. The, I should have just said him yeah. earlier. Yeah. Uh, with uh, 1066, Cody Bellinger, as you said, 1052. Andre Ethier, 1013. That was 2009. Uh, yes. Adrian yeah. Beltre, 982. Matt Kemp, yeah. apologies, 981. Ron Say, mm-hmm. 974. Eddie Murray. 1977? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, Eddie Murray, 1968. <laughs> that one hurts. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> Raphael Furcal, 955. Yeah. Sean Green, 954. Furcal. Wow. <laughs> Tommy Davis, 954. And Mike Piazza, again, 953. Wow. See, Call was a surprise. The other ones I would have got had I not been just angry answering. In that same season, Tommy Davis set a Dodger franchise season record with 153 RBI. Davis had 73 RBI at Dodger Stadium that season, which is all-time Dodger Stadium season record. Ten other times there has been a Dodger with 61 or more RBI at Dodger Stadium. Mm. Two Dodgers did it twice. You're looking for eight names. Okay, so there's only been like a handful of guys with like 120 total, so... We'll go again. Um, Cody Bellinger, Matt Kemp. Yes. Hold on, I lost my lay. Matt Kemp is there. I double checked for you. Yeah, um, and then 
Wow. Um, let's go Sean Green. No. no I'm, I'm <clears throat> cagey now. I'm double-checking. Um, what about uh, Adrian Beltre? Yes. 61 um, in 2004. Wow. Um, okay, then let's see. Um, Piazza? Piazza did it twice. 97 and 93. Um, Garvey. Did it twice. 79 and 78. Um, Missing three names. Ethier? Ethier in 2009. Um, okay. Then it gets weird. Um, He didn't really have. I'll we'll give you uh, seasons. Let, let's go back if you want it. No, oh, oh, let me go uh, first. I will say, um, Ron Say. Nope. Okay. Yeah. Give me. Give me seasons. I'll probably get sixty-two it. and seventy-four. Okay, sixty-two was probably Frank Howard. You are correct. And what was the other one? Seventy-four. Jim Wynn. There you go. Well nice. done. Another record Tommy Davis set that year. Most hits by a player at Dodger Stadium. Hey, look at that. Davis wow. had 114 hits, which still leads all Dodgers after all this time. Again, uh, 10 other times mm-hmm. there has been a Dodger with 100 or more hits at Dodger Stadium in one season. Uh, your hints are one Dodger dominates this category, and has, uh, and it has been done three times since the 2000s. Um, okay, so Garvey is has to be the one that dominates. Correct. Because he had He's all those 200 here, hit seasons. One, two, three, four times. Or five times, um, I think. Uh, okay, so then... who 100 hits. Um, so here's the deal. So Piazza had the one year where he hit, I think, 200 hits exactly. But I'm gonna, I'm just going to go... I'm going to go with Piazza just to, just to guess. I don't think so, but let's see. You are, he is not on the list. You are. Your gut was correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 200 hits is 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 what I'm trying to picture, and okay. What about um, Steve Sachs? No. Maury Wills. Maury Wills with 109 in 1962. Okay. Um, you have four names left. Willie Davis. Nope. What about Willie Davis? No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. <laughs> wow, this is um, this is rough. The hits thing. Um, let's just go to the well again. Uh, what about Ethier? Is two thousand nine? Let's see if that nope. shows up. No. Okay. Uh, what about Matt Kemp? Nope. You don't have to keep lying. Um, <laughs> I did that one time, so maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um. This is this is difficult. Um, Your seasons are 1993, yeah. 2006, 2007, and 2016. Okay, so if it's 06, I'm going to go for call. Correct. Um, so the other one was uh, 93, 16, and what? Uh, 2007. Huh. Um, is, oh, wow. Is 2016 Puig? 
It is not. That it's. Uh, I'm okay. Oh, uh, wait. Two thousand sixteen Seeger. Yes. Um. So ninety three. Wow. Um. He didn't hit enough. Uh, oh, Brett Butler. There you go. Um, and then 2007, 2007 is the other one? Yes. Okay, now... Oh, uh, Juan Pierre. There you go. Nice. Well done. For the last trivia question, a record that Davis does not hold, highest season batting average, minimum 300 plate appearances, at Dodger Stadium. Davis hit 352 in 352 plate appearances in 1962. That is second to one player. Only four players, including Davis, have hit four, 343 or better in a season at Dodger Stadium with a minimum plate appearance of 300. Who are they? So I, th- I'm, I think the top guy is Piazza. Correct. And then, so I have to go three more? Correct. Um, let's go back to the Ethier well. Uh, nope. What about um, Matt Camp's year, 2011? Uh, no. I don't remember what Adrian Beltre hit in 2004, but I'm going to say him. Say that again, apologies. Beltre? No. Hmm. Oh, um, oh, Pedro Guerrero, what about him? Nope. I'll give you seasons. 93? Yeah. 90? Ah! 90s Murray. <laughs> yep. <damn it>. Yeah. Um... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Then uh, 93, Butler. Yep. That 347, Murray at 343. Just below that, Garvey with 338 and 333. And then for Call with 333. Nice. There you go. First non-trivia question, if I can Mm -hmm. find it. For the contest, let's name the AL Postseason 6, the Division Wild Card winners. Uh, Tiebreaker, name the team with the most wins and pick that number. He... Now he, so we like expressly, remember last week, he, yeah. I forgot how he worded the question, but it was basically he give wanted, us like, the, the result of every yeah. major league game or something <laughs> like that. And uh, now, now he, he sort of, he, he witnessed us trying to get around it and he came back with, what if you give us the rest of the league? Um, <laughs> okay. So we're not, this is not a complaint, Craig. We're, it is a complaint, but it's just more of us whining. Um, okay. So AL. I'll, I guess I'll start. Let's go division winners first. Um, let's go. Uh, I guess. Yeah, it's got to be. It's, so Houston and the White Sox. And then. it. Oh, so the AL East is wild. So I don't know if you saw this earlier today, but the fan graphs, uh, like pr- current projections in the AL East have uh, the four non-Orioles teams yeah. all finishing at 88 and 74, which is hilarious. Um so I am gonna I am gonna jump on the the bandwagon and say the Blue Jays as okay. my division winner, but okay. uh, it's a it's it's tough. But yeah, what do you got? I will go with I'm trying to think of when to get a little little spicy. Uh, yeah, I, I'll go Astros, White Sox. So not there. I'll say the Rays win the East. Yeah, I mean they're so deep, like it's pretty crazy. And then I will say that the Blue Jays, the Twins, 
and the Yankees are the wild card teams. And Twins. Um, okay, um, so I will also say the Rays because I think they're really good. Let's go. Let's go with let's go with the Yankees because you know they're it's gonna be that's gonna be a three team thing I think three teams from that division go and then so that means the other I th- yeah let's I'm gonna go I'm gonna jump on um, just so I can be disappointed and I will say the Mariners okay yeah okay you good to go. Yeah, Kansas City's Bobby Witt Jr. and Seattle's Julio Rodriguez are two of the top prospects scheduled to be on their opening day rosters in a few days. Uh, Eric, we know that one of the new wrinkles in the CBA is the uh, draft pick compensation if a top prospect plays enough games and finishes high in seasonal award race, but no one knows for sure what that will end up being. Do you think we'll still see some service time manipulation this season by Major League Baseball clubs? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Always. like... Uh, the Pirates, for instance, sent down O'Neill Cruz um, to AAA, former Dodger, by the way, former Dodger prospect, who's like, I don't remember his exact height, but I think he's like eight foot four, and he, he um, lanky dude who um, hits a lot of home runs. Um, but yeah, they're sending him down. Like, it's certainly going to happen. So I believe Rookie of the Year is one way to sort of get rewarded. But I think if you if you hit other stuff, um, the teams, I think, get rewarded with it, like the draft picks for that. So it's not necessarily just that first season thing, but yeah, I they're still gonna for sure um, manipulate service time. So yeah, I, I don't. They didn't do like a ton to like stop that stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I'll agree, and especially on you know because getting a year of control on even a not tops prospect is just very very valuable. So yep. Uh, we'll we'll see plenty of it. Ho- maybe less. Hopefully less. Yep. You can decide if this is contest worthy, and I have decided that it is. But in oh. any case, please name the Dodger with the season's first outfield assist, first steal of third base, and first <laughs> triple. Okay. Um, do you want to go first on the outfield assist, or do you want me to go first? Uh, I'll let. We'll snake this, even though it's three. You do the first uh, outfield assist, and then I'll take the next two. Um, so again, this is just as a <laughs> this is just to be different. Um, but I'm going to go Kevin Pilar. I'm going <laughs> to jump in on. I'm jumping in on the he'll be there by Tuesday um, bandwagon, and so just so I can be wrong on Kevin Pilar like 87 times at some point this season. Uh, so I'll take outfield assist uh, and. Oh, Mookie Betts. I'll go chalk. I, I was going to go, I was going to say Mookie Betts. And then I was thinking before that, um, it would have been funny after we talked about like Chris Taylor's elbow and then like, it's going to be him. So yeah. Oh, so you have, yeah, now I will go first, uh, steal of third base. I'll go Trey Turner. I'm going to go chalk this whole time. I think. Of third. Okay. Um, you're going Trey. I will say, oh man, um, <laughs> this, is a, this is so bad because I want to say Cody Bellinger, but then I'm like, is he going to be on second base? Um, so 
No, um, I will say, huh? Let's go. I'm gonna go. Mm, I'm gonna go. Gavin Lux. Why not? Okay. Um, first triple. I will go. Yeah, I'll, I'm Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. Very boring here. First triple. Um. Okay. Um. So I'm gonna say I'll go Chris Taylor then. Okay. Yep. All right. Food question. Given the choice, do you prefer a quesadilla with or without meat, or a classic deli melt, whether it's roast beef, turkey, or tuna? Wait. Like the choice is like like a quesadilla, quesadilla or regardless a melt? of whether it has meat or not, or a yeah. melt. Uh, quesadilla. Pretty pretty clear for me i think uh not for me melts i i love myself a good turkey melt one of my favorite things it's grilled cheese yeah. with meat man it's delicious i mean sort of yeah i guess that's but yeah no quesadillas are great um i generally don't put meat in a quesadilla um but like that's it i just because i my general thing is if i make a quesadilla at home it's just like a quick thing and mm-hmm. i'll put like Maybe I'll slice up uh, a jalapeno or something and put it in there, something like that. But it's pretty much just cheese. But uh, I'm not averse to meat in there, but I just kind of like the cheese part. Um, I used to do this. This is a weird thing because I've never, I've never been a big tuna milk guy. However, one of my old jobs, there was this like sandwich spot that delivered that was like um, reasonably close and. I would I would order the tuna melt with no cheese, only because I like the hot sandwich factor of it, and the tuna they had was really good. But I, for some reason, I just I couldn't I couldn't do like cheese on tuna. Um, so yeah, like um, I maybe maybe that's maybe that's clouded my my melt stance over all these years. So who knows? I uh. I'm not not having a melt today, but I might have a melt tomorrow because that sounds really good. And I'm definitely making hoagies for my my birthday this weekend. So that's nice. Is that is that your um, that's your big birthday plan? Is uh, having hoagies? It's, it's a good plan. I mean, watch you know there'll be some Dodger baseball on. That'll be pretty good. I think yeah, I think a cheesesteak um oh, is pretty great. Um, so might have to make that happen. And uh, I'm glad Craig brought that up because now I'm hungry again, as is usually the case. <laughs> But yeah, um, so happy birthday, uh, Jacob, Ooh. and happy opening day to everybody. And uh, we will talk to you in theory next week, but also possibly very soon if some weird Dodger oh, thing happens. No. So I don't want to record twice this week. <laughs> Let me enjoy some baseball. Yeah, that, that's a good Let's just enjoy baseball this week, everybody. And thanks for listening. See you.